Great, thank you, Joe and Paul. We've, uh, we've prayed, so we'll, we'll launch straight in. And as, uh, as Paul said, we're uh, on to our second C uh, of what we are doing when we worship together uh, here on a Sunday morning, uh, confession. Now, I don't know uh, how you feel about uh, confession. Um, I expect there'll be a range of uh, feelings uh, in the room when we uh, mention that word, confession. Um, perhaps it's something you know that we should do, uh, but it kind of just makes you feel bad about yourself, so uh, you don't do it all that much. Um, or maybe uh, you're new to all of this uh, Christian stuff, and, and all you know of confession is from, you know, seeing it on uh, films or murder mysteries where uh, the, the bad guy goes into the church and to the confession box and confesses their sins um, to the priest. It's usually a murder, isn't it? Or maybe you're sat here today thinking, yeah, I, I confess um, at home. I know I'm forgiven, uh, but why do we need to do that here together on a Sunday? Uh, why can't we just get on and, and worship um, together as we've been saying about? Or you might have experienced um, where you felt so, so bad about a particular sin uh, that you sometimes feel you need to delay uh, coming to God in prayer uh, and confessing your sin. Perhaps it just doesn't feel right to, to come to our Heavenly Father straight away. Or maybe you're just wondering what counts as true confession. Uh, what happens if I just keep on sinning over and over again? What then? Well, my, my prayer this morning is that we will come to see uh, confession as a source of joy uh, and a, a relief uh, and even an assurance for us. And so then see why it plays such a role in our Sunday uh, services together. So I've chosen, uh, you'll notice, uh, some verses from 1 John. Uh, and some of those are verses that we regularly read out and proclaim um, after we've kind of said the confession prayer together on a Sunday. But before we dive in, just to give you a bit of a flavor of the situation that uh, John uh, was writing into, was speaking into. So the believers then, they were being uh, troubled by some false teaching. Um, people that had begun with the church, but had then uh, left. And they were now kind of seeing themselves as some kind of spiritual elite, um, even thinking that they no longer sinned as Christians. They thought you could kind of pursue God with your mind and in your spirit uh, only, uh, without worrying about uh, what you did with your body or relationships uh, with, each, with each other. They kind of elevated the spiritual to the point where they were even denying that Jesus came in the flesh. And so naturally this was troubling uh, the believers. Well, if they're teaching this, well, are, are we really in the truth? And how can we know that we're God's children abiding in him? Uh, what about our sin? How can we be sure that we have eternal life? There's questions I'm sure that all of us uh, want assurance for in our Christian lives at times. And so through John, uh, God wants to give us this real assurance. Uh, and a key verse in the letter to see uh, God's aim, John's aim, is, is in chapter 5, verse 13. So you can just flick on uh, to there if you want to see it, but I'll read it out to you. Chapter 5, verse 13, John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. 
So it's been said that uh, John wrote his gospel uh, so that we might believe and have life. He then writes this first letter so that we can know that we have eternal life. His big aim is assurance uh, for us as Christians. And so it's maybe a bit surprising then that uh, in seeking to assure us of eternal life, uh, John uh, starts by talking about sin and confession of it. It's perhaps not the first place that we might think to begin if we're seeking to encourage um, a fellow believer. But actually, even before that, uh, John uh, starts with who God is. Uh, So the first thing uh, to remember today about confession um, is that we confess in light of who God is and who God has made us. So this is in verse 5. Back in chapter 1 now, verse 5. Who God is. John says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And John's saying something here about God's very being. Um, Light in the Bible, that can mean a few different things, but maybe here it's the the bright light of God's holiness, his his moral perfection uh, that is in the foreground. Uh, You may recognize uh, the words from uh, Paul the Apostle in 1 Timothy. He also speaks of God dwelling in unapproachable light. Uh, God's glory and his holiness shine so brightly uh, that as sinful people we shouldn't be able to approach him we shouldn't be able to come near to him yet later in the letter john also defines god as love god's very being is light yet he's also love this is uh, you can flick forward again if you want to 1 john 4:16 he says god is love And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So our holy God of of light uh, is also our God God of love, who has made it possible for us to abide in him and he in us, to have fellowship, friendship uh, with God. So this is who God is. Uh, This is why we often begin our, our worship service with Um, the call to worship as we were hearing from Paul last week uh, remember it's God who speaks first he calls us to to worship him because of who he is and it got me thinking I I think I used to um, I don't do it so much now but I think I used to um, come to God whether it's in a quiet time at home um, or in church on a Sunday thinking that I needed to speak first Uh, that I needed to kind of get my confession of sin out of the way to kind of clear the decks before I could really engage in in worshipping God or or praying to him. I'd sort of feel like a a fraud if I was um, to do anything else. You know, and in in a way that's fine. Confession can come first. But actually I think it's really helpful to get a fresh vision of who God is and his call to us to worship him. That can actually help us confess a lot more truly uh, than we might have done otherwise, more truly and more openly, as we see both his holiness, his light, but also the welcome of his love. I think confession uh, without first beholding God, as we were um, singing about in our first song, uh, it can sometimes end up being a bit shallow. 
again, for me, it was often used to be more about frustration with myself. Um, like just messed up again and again. Or just sadness over the consequences of my sin. Uh, more than it was a concern that I'd grieved uh, my Heavenly Father and His Holy Spirit who lives within me. I think you can see this um, in the shape of the Lord's Prayer as well, um, where we start, don't we, with praising God, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, before we then come to confess our sin to him. So we, we confess in light of who God is, and that helps us, I think, to see our sin more clearly and confess uh, more truly, openly, uh, and deeply uh, to him. But the second half of that is that we also confess in light of who God has made us. So this is, uh, so we're jumping all over in, in 1 John today, but this is jumping to 1 John 3, the other verses that we had read out. 1 John 3 verse 1. Just, just the first verse, I think. So see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of of God. And that is what we are. See, God's love is so great that our status now, here today, uh, is as his children. If you're here today and you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, then that is what you are. Before anything else can be said about you, the defining thing about you is that you're God's child and that he's your heavenly father. And coming back then to to chapter 1, well, being his children, I think, means at least uh, three things. Firstly, that as his children, we come to bear the family likeness, uh, like father, like son, is, uh, is our saying. Because God is light and he dwells in the light, in holiness, well, we then as his children should walk in the light. This is uh, verses uh, 6 and 7, back in chapter 1. It says, uh, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, uh, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So our, our status is as purified children and we're to live this out by walking in the light but secondly this status as children doesn't mean that we are sinless uh, not this side of heaven anyway Uh, we're in the family Uh, god is our father uh, but we still sin we still grieve his holy spirit uh, living inside of us and this kind of uh, relational junk someone else called it Uh, It gets in the way um, of us enjoying our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so then in verse 8, John says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, so God knows, he knows that this side of heaven, uh, we're children who still sin. And so we'll need to come to him 
uh, regularly to say sorry. But we don't come fearful of his response. As we approach confession on a Sunday, it's not like uh, through sin we've kind of fallen out of God's family. And then through confession we, we come back in as his children. It's not like that at all. We, we come to, to confession um, as his beloved, forgiven, purified children already. And it's just that we leave uh, more assured um, as forgiven, purified children. And this, this all means that we can be free, free to confess uh, confidently and openly and truly to God. We, we are naturally blame shifters, aren't we? <laughs> you ask Abby. See, I see it all, this, all the time myself. We want to blame someone else for, for what we've done. We want to shift the blame. And we want to self-justify. We want to try and uh, make as if we're, we're okay, really. And I think it's easy even to bring that into our prayers to God, isn't it? I don't know if you've done that yourself. I found myself confessing sin sometimes. and think, no, I've, I've not told him actually what my true motivation was and actually what I did and actually what I was thinking. I've sort of dressed it up a little bit. But, but knowing his holiness and knowing his love or, and knowing we're his children, we can be, we can be brutally honest with God uh, more than anyone else about who we are and, and what we've done, but at the same time being assured of how he's going to respond. It's really cathartic doing that. You see uh, King David in the Psalms, that experience of not confessing sin, it weighing down on him heavily, and then the relief of having confessed it to God. And those of you who are her fathers amongst us, and even if you're not, you'll, you'll know that when a child, uh, your child comes to you and owns up uh, to a wrong that they've done, well, your, your heart goes out to them. Uh, I'm, I'm not always that good at responding to our kids when I'm challenging them and they deny it. Uh, I'm not very gentle and I don't think. But, but when they willingly come and confess, well, all I want to do is give them a hug straight away. They, they, you want to give them the consequences. Just great, they've, they've owned up. They've, they've come and, and said what they've done. And that's from me, an earthly, flawed father. Well, how much more does our, our heavenly father receive us in love as we uh, confess to him? So we come to God in confession of our sin uh, in light of who God is, but also in light of who he's made us, his children. Well, the next, the next thing for us to remember this morning about confession Um, is that confession assures us, it assures us that we're forgiven children. This is kind of the same point in just different angles, really. um, But I think it does this in two ways. So both through confession itself, but also that as we confess, uh, that is a reminder of the gospel in fact, I think the point of us, one of the points of us doing this together on a, a Sunday in our worship service is that we kind of rehearse and relive the gospel as we move through the different points of our service together. And, and that includes uh, the confession of sin. But firstly, uh, confession itself assures us. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to see this on the screen, this next bit. We'll see if you, you can. That's not very good, is it? The sun came out at the wrong point in the, in the sermon, so you can't see the screen. Um, but it's, this is, this is um, verses 6 and 7, uh, and then 8 and 9 put together. 
Uh, and, and I think they are, you might have noticed they're kind of in parallel with each other. So they all start with if. I've, I've underlined or highlighted that for you. Uh, and you can kind of line them up together. So what John is saying in verses 8 and 9 is kind of fleshing out what he's already said in verses 6 and 7. So um, verse 6 goes with verse 8. Guy, if you can click on. So verse 6 goes with verse 8. So um, part of what he means in verse 6 by walking in the darkness is explained uh, by verse 8. Uh, walking in the darkness, part of that is saying that we are without sin, uh, that we don't sin. And in both cases, it ends by saying, well, the truth is not in us um, if we do that. But then uh, flicking on to the next one, verse 7 is then paralleled with, matched with verse 9. So part of what it means to walk in the light is actually to confess sin. Uh, that's what we do as God's children. Walking in the light means that we will come and confess sin. Walking in the light means more than just confessing sin. John, John will talk about that later in the letter. It means loving fellow Christians. It means a faith that works out in, in deeds and not just in, in what we say. But still part of it, part of walking in the light as God's child is, is to confess sin, to openly admit it to God and to each other. So that means then that as we find ourselves convicted to, of sin and confessing to God, that that itself should assure us uh, that we're walking in the light. That in confession we are acting as God's children with eternal life. Uh, from John's gospel, we know that um, he, he said that when Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit came, he would convict the world concerning sin. So as we're moved uh, to confess, well, that's a sign that it's God's Spirit at work in us. It shows uh, that we belong to him. I think that could really change the way uh, we view confession on a Sunday together. Uh, it's not that we kind of grovel our way um, through the confession prayer only to kind of reach the good bit of the assurance um, afterwards. But it's as we decide to join together in confessing our sins together, it's a sign that we be belong to God. It's a sign actually that we're all united uh, with each other in the same thing as well, that we are all people who need forgiveness. And it's a sign that he's at work in us by his spirit. So even the act of confessing itself should assure us uh, that we're God's children. So there's never any need, I don't think, there's never any need to delay coming to God in confession. It's a work of God in us to, to move us to do that, to convict us of sin. So, so come to him straight away. You're still his child, no matter how much you've messed up. Uh, come to him straight away. Well, the second way um, confession strengthens our assurance is because it takes us back uh, to our sin and it reminds us of the gospel. Without sin, there wouldn't be a gospel. Think about that for a minute. Um, it's one of those things that sounds like it could be a heresy, but I don't think it is. Um, but without sin, there would be no need for Jesus to come and rescue us. It's not that sin's exactly a, a great contribution that we make to the gospel, is it? It's nothing to be, pr be proud of, but, but without that, uh, there wouldn't be need for a gospel. And, it, and so, so reminding ourselves of our sin and confessing to, to God, it, it reminds us uh, of the gospel and where we would be 
if God hadn't stepped in um, to rescue us. Now, we don't want to be too introspective as Christians. Sometimes certain parts of the church have been known for introspection, dwelling on sin too much can be unhelpful. I think it was this Scottish preacher, McShane. I won't attempt the accent because Ian's here here and here. You should come and read it out. Um, but he, he said, um, for every one look at ourselves, for every one look at ourselves within, we should take 10 looks at Christ. But that one look is still important. There is some self-examination that's helpful, and, it, and I think it will lead us, it does lead us to appreciate all the more what Christ has done for us. Um, I don't know if many of you have read this. It's been on the back uh, stand. It's, called, uh, it's by Milton Vincent. It's called The Glories of God's Love. There's this copy and another one if you want to borrow it at any point. But I really like what he says in here. He says, um, the deeper I go into the gospel, the more I comprehend and confess aloud the depth of my sinfulness. But such an awareness of my sinfulness does not drag me down, but actually serves to lift me up by magnifying my appreciation of God's forgiving grace in my life. And the more I appreciate the magnitude of God's forgiveness of my sins, well, the more I love him and delight to show him love through heartfelt expression of worship. It's a great book. And I've seen this in you guys, actually, uh, from up here in the front when I'm leading, and also in me when I've just sat there going through the worship service. It's so easy, isn't it, for for me, and I'm sure loads of us, to arrive um, at church full of the world, full of the weak, of worry, of distraction of tiredness of of the weight of sin sometimes as well but as God takes us through the service we are lifted up and confession is is a necessary part of that and then hearing God's word of assurance and Christ's victory over sin I tell you um, your singing starts to go up a notch uh, and as we get to the final hymn well some of you are even smiling (laughs) I'm joking, you're not really that miserable at all. You're smiling all of the time. But you can, you can see this in, in John's, John's letter, that uh, no, no sooner has he spoken about sin, that straight away he comes in with assurance of the gospel. Salvation, justification, sanctification. Big words that end in shun, if you know the song. I'll explain some of them. But just look at those, these two parallel verses again for a minute, the way they end. Uh, Verse 7 ends with, he purifies us uh, from all sin. Verse 9, he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? Jesus' death on the cross, his blood purifies us from all sin. Or that could be translated, every sin. And from all unrighteousness. And for those of us with a sensitive conscience, that really does mean every sin. Uh, Not just the the small ones, but the big ones. Uh, Not just the the one-offs, but the repeated sins that take years sometimes to, to move past fully. Jesus' blood purifies us from every single sin, from all unrighteousness. So as we remind ourselves of that sin and we confess it well at the same time we are assured of his forgiveness we can enjoy that assurance that confession and assurance brings 
as we confess our sin out loud together uh, on a Sunday. Well, finally, uh, the final thing to remember this morning is that confession and assurance, they spur us on to live like Jesus. Confession and assurance spur us on to live like Jesus. So just looking down at at chapter 2 now in in 1 John, even just by the first verse, John seems to think he's done enough already uh, to motivate us not to sin. In verse 1 he says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. And no wonder he thinks he's done enough because he's already reminded us, hasn't he, of of who God is, uh, of our sin, but also the assurance of forgiveness. And the point of all of that, of course, is that we will walk in the light as God's children. Uh, He ends this little section in in verse 6 in chapter 2. He says, whoever claims to live in him, in God, must live as Jesus did. Uh, The aim of, of Jesus rescuing us is to live for him as his children. And so if our confession is just words that we're not really meaning and with no real intention to to change, then that that doesn't mean anything. But as we're assured of our standing with God in confession, as we rejoice in forgiveness, well, that is the motivation. That is the spur to live like Jesus did, to seek to fight sin uh, for all we're worth and to worship God in, in every area of our lives. That's why I think most of our set prayers that we pray as confession, uh, they end with us asking for God's help for us to live for him. Uh, One that we use quite a lot ends with this, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Living like Jesus did, living for God's glory. Or as the song I think we're going to use as a confession in a moment says, uh, change our hearts that we might live for you. So the, the whole aim is that we won't sin. That is the work of ongoing sanctification. And by God's Spirit, let's not underestimate uh, the progress that we can make as Christians uh, in his strength in that. But of course, God does know that we will sin again. And so John, again, as soon as he mentions sin, he goes straight to the gospel assurance in the rest of uh, the verse there. Chapter 2, verse 1, my dear children, he's so tender in the way he writes to them, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is John giving us an extra big helping of assurance to finish. We have Jesus as an advocate with the Father when we do sin. And this means we've got Jesus, the, the righteous one, um, speaking up for us uh, in heaven to God the Father. And what does he say? Oh, go on, let, let James off. He's, he's all right once you get to know him. <laughs> Jesus, who is completely righteous, he knows exactly how unrighteous we are. Jesus, who showed himself to be perfect, uh, reminds the Father constantly in heaven of his own perfect sacrifice for our sin. He holds forever before the Father his hands that were pierced, um, his blood that was shed for us on the cross. And let's not misunderstand this. It's not as if God the Father is reluctantly listening 
It was the loving plan of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternity that Jesus the Son should come to earth for this very purpose, to be an atoning sacrifice, a propitiation. That's another one of those big words that end in shun. But that means that's a sacrifice uh, that absorbs God's wrath, that turns God's wrath away from us who would deserve it. And that's, that's why, if you noticed just earlier, that, God, that John says that God is faithful and just to forgive. Because once Jesus has been put forward as this perfect sacrifice and fully borne the judgment for my sin, well, it would be unjust of God not to forgive me. That's how certain it is. It would be unjust of God not to forgive us because of what Jesus has done for us. That's how certain we can be, how assured we can be. He is faithful and just and declares us righteous in Jesus. Justification. And just this last sentence, uh, not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world, that just shows how sufficient Jesus' death on the cross is. It's big enough for the sins of the whole world, not just for the few, so that anyone who turns to Jesus for forgiveness, or any of us that turn to him for the millionth time to ask for forgiveness, we can be fully assured that God will forgive, and that he has. God, who is both light, he's holy, we shouldn't be able to come near to him, but he is also love. He's made us his children. So don't miss out on that blessing of regular confession in your walk with him, but also that confession as we confess together here on a Sunday and the assurance that it brings us. I'm going to pray. Father, you say, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Please may we enjoy this blessed assurance as we confess our sin to you. Please remind us of your love for us in sending your son Jesus to die in our place, fully bearing your righteous judgment for our sin. And please lead us to that joy of knowing you and that our forgiveness will spur us on to walk as Jesus did, as children of light. Amen.